All right, if all the kids who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys want to make your way to the front, those who are three, four, and five-year-old, if you want to make your way to the back where you can meet with your teacher to go down for the lesson. As you guys are coming forward, do you remember, hey, you guys that are lining up, hey, before you go down, do you remember what, what, did, I, what did I teach you last week? What was the all-important message that I said I wanted you to remember for this week? Does anybody remember? What, what is it? You weren't here. That's a great excuse. <laughs> right. Who is here and remembers what I said? Do you remember, Lincoln? Oh, yeah. Do you remember, Riley? Perfect. Thank you. Riley, did you guys hear that? I know, I know our focus is on celebrating Jesus and his coming, right? We call that Christmas. But the, the truth is that we celebrate Jesus all the time, every day, right? I, okay, I'm, I might ask that again next week. I'm not going to let Riley answer, though, okay? So the rest of you got to start catching a hold of that, okay? All right, guys, you go on down. Thank you. All right. All right. Hey, just before we begin, I was going to say, man, I appreciate so much Sarah Bunch, who has, you know, over not just this last year, but has decorated the sanctuary uh, over the past few years. And then then when, when Christmas is over, she's very punctual at removing all the Christmas things. I just told the kids we celebrate all the time, so let's just leave it up, okay? Uh, Just a reminder, hey, we're celebrating. Yeah, oh, why? Because Jesus came right? It's something that we do all the time. I also want to say that, that the wreath, uh, our Advent wreath was put together by Tony. She's done that before, and I appreciate both these ladies uh, for their decorating. Uh, also, uh, you know, appreciation to the Yost family. I, I don't know whether these people are introducing themselves. Did you introduce your, you and your wife and Rich? Did you? Eric did. Okay, well, good job for Eric. But anyway, Rich and Sarah, uh, Riley and, and RJ had that opportunity to do the Advent, and I hope, uh, uh, thank you for, for introducing uh, that, that uh, focus for today, which is preparation. And can I be honest with you? I'm familiar with hope. I'm familiar with the candle that's love and peace and light not very often do I hear about preparation and that we're celebrating preparation. But uh, is, is anybody else familiar with that? Uh, is, is that an unusual one to you as well? It is for me. I don't think I've ever in an Advent had preparation. So I, I had the opportunity just in preparing, thinking about preparation, and there is absolutely a reason for us to celebrate this idea of preparation is part of our Christmas celebration of Jesus and his coming. Matter of fact, I want to go back to uh, uh, the passage that was read by our family this morning. Isaiah chapter 30, and just that first phrase, uh, excuse me, chapter 40 and verse 3. There it, it begins with this. Um, A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's the phrase that we're focusing upon. So what does this preparation mean? It, I mean, I already mentioned the decorations. Is that it? You know, preparation means get the house all ready, bring out the wreaths, the tree, do the decorating. 
and, and that's also taxing, right? And, and at, at, I, will, I will say this, four, is it 484, fourth, no, fourth street, eight, eight, what is it? 838, 838 West 4th Street, Albin Fudge decorates his whole yard, okay? I know people do that, but if you have an opportunity, you're out seeing lights, go down 4th Street, 848, I'm going to get it. You're all going to be messed up. You're not. Just go down all up and down 4th Street. It's Junction City, for goodness sake. It doesn't go that far, so somewhere along there you see a guy's yard all decked out and I, I remember your mom because of that she loved Albin's decorating so that brought back memories of, of sweet patty fudge and and so love your mama and she's with Jesus right <laughs> anyway uh to think it, it's not about the decorating when when we talk about preparation it's not so so set that aside, but it is absolutely within the scriptures about how significant this preparation is. Matter of fact, so, so this morning, I just want to talk to you about that celebration of Jesus coming and, and, and the significance of that. I, I, I want to begin with that phrase. And, in, and within that phrase, that, what is the preparation for? The preparation is for the the coming or the way of the Lord. Prepare for the way of the Lord. And, and I want to start there in, in a lesson. There's just a few lessons that I'd, I'd like to share with you this morning as we think about this preparation. The first lesson is this. God created the way. When it says the way of the Lord, God created the way. That's worth celebrating. God created the way. Uh, in his sovereignty, he directs through his power and he guides uh, as, as he makes a way. Israel, the, the people of Israel would be very much aware of this. Okay, when we look into the Old Testament, of course, Isaiah chapter 40 is there. There is a specific message for those people, but even for them, as they hear Isaiah's message, there, there are some things that would bring back to mind, even over, over the, the, uh, uh, the development of them, as, of Israel becoming a nation. We'll go clear back to Egypt, where they were enslaved, and God... Uh, removed them out of, out of slavery or delivered them out of bondage and took them where? Into the desert, right? It took them into the desert. In the words of Isaiah, following that in verses 3 and 4, uh, Isaiah says, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. And the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough place is a plain. The only place I, I think that they might have some kind of an idea, or even looking back, would be the, the fact that God delivered them out of the desert. God directed them. God supplied their need. He sustained their lives through the desert. Uh, and, and that was uh, miraculous to say a desert place moving uh, that many people, a whole nation of people through the desert place. In their current situation, uh, when Isaiah is writing, they're in captivity. They're in Babylon. They're in Babylon because of their wickedness and because of their ignoring God. And, and at that time, 
beginning, that first verse, beginning in chapter 40, uh, his message is comfort, comfort my people. The reason there's comfort is because God is now going to make a way out of Babylon and return them to Jerusalem. That's a reason for comfort. See, God again makes a way. Now, let me tell you, in both cases, these people don't deserve a way. Okay? Matter of fact, there's, there's reasons for them to be ended. Let's think about them coming out of Egypt, where they ought to be following after God, His direction, and, and all His provision. They ought to be rejoicing and celebrating the fact that God had taken them out of slavery. But you know, if you're familiar with the story, that that's not the case. They were a bunch of grumblers and complainers, and they were rebelling against God throughout all those desert places. They even created an idol for them to worship. That's why they deserved to be ended as a people. They really deserved to be ended. And and then again, why they were in in Babylon was because they committed adultery or idolatry against God. They committed idolatry against God. He said, hey, may there be any other gods before me, Uh, no other name. And and so the focus of of their law, the very beginnings, was to focus their attention upon uh, that devotion to God as their God. And yet, what did they do? They went after the, the gods of the other nations. They built idols for themselves. And right there within that area, they committed idolatry against God. They deserved to be ended. Right? Are you with me on that? They, they, they were wicked in, in the things they did in the face of all the glorious and wonderful ways of God. But God is merciful. Here's the point. In the Old Testament, we could see that God is a God of mercy. Uh, in his uh, one thing, he makes a way because of his sovereignty, but he also makes a way because he is a God of grace and mercy. He, he, he is a God of faithfulness. And, and remember the promises. When God makes a promise, he follows through. He made a promise to Abraham. Remember that promise? Uh, I will make you into a great nation, a mighty nation, a nation that's going to be blessed by all, the, all other nations. And he kept his promise. Even in their defiance, in their rebellion, in their absolute sinfulness, God was faithful. Uh, there within Egypt through all the complaining and then again in their rebellion and in their idolatrous ways against God. Such an insult, such a slap in the face to God and yet he was patient and he was faithful to his promises. Another promise he kept was to David, to King David. I'm going to, to, to make your throne or, or your throne is going to be established forever. That's the way it was. I'm going to establish your throne forever. But if you wipe the people out, those promises could not be kept. God is faithful in his promises. He makes promises to you and I. He's made promises to you and I that we can embrace and hold on to and know. And it it is part of our celebration is to say he is faithful. We know it because we see evidence in the Old Testament. And there's evidence for us today in Jesus, right? right? The second lesson I think that is so important for us to hear is who is that voice crying in the wilderness? We know it's John. 
John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way for Jesus when he came. Uh, John the Baptist was the one who was that voice crying in the wilderness. And it's testified to us in all the Gospels. Matthew talks about it, Mark, Luke, and John. And John the Baptist's dad also said something about that. John the Baptist had in Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 76, 77. Are you familiar with that story of Zechariah? Uh, Zechariah was up there in age along with his wife. They've never had children before because Sarah had been, uh, I mean Elizabeth, excuse me. Elizabeth had been a uh, uh, barren. And, and so an angel came to, to old Zechariah and said, hey, you and uh, Elizabeth are going to have a baby. He's going to be that prophet. And, and, and uh, of course, Zechariah was, uh, are you sure about that? You know, I'm up in age. She's always been barren. You know, these things don't work. Uh, he didn't say all that. You'll read different. But anyway, he was doubting. He was doubting. And so because of his doubting, the angel said, hey, you're going to be silent until your son is born. And so on the day when John the Baptist was born, you know, boy, that tongue broke loose and he broke into praise because the coming of his son also meant the coming of the Messiah. So as he began to give praise, it was all about the focus of Jesus and his coming. But then in, in verse, uh, again, this is chapter one of Luke, in verse uh, 76 and 77, he said, and you, child, speaking of, of John the Baptist, he said, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Now, what does it mean to prepare his ways? Well, Zechariah starts giving us an idea what John's task was, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. There's an introduction. Zechariah, just after John was born, he is going to bring them a knowledge of salvation and, and the, the opportunity for forgiveness of sins. That's John the Baptist. That is a, an idea, the preparing of the way of the Lord. That's the preparing of Jesus and his coming. Matthew also speaks to that. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 3. There it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. What, what was his message? Repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Matthew again testifies to who John the Baptist, he is that voice crying in the wilderness. He is that one to bring that message. And who is, who is he speaking of? Or, or how, again, how did he prepare? It's with that message, repent. Repent. He, he was telling these Jews to repent. And what does that mean? Well, it means uh, to, to turn from your sinfulness to turn from your sinfulness. And, and, and part of that acceptance of repentance or that move of repentance, John was baptizing them. He was baptizing them a baptism of repentance, of change. Because there was this sense of transforming. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That, that's amazing. We, we know the Lord is coming. And the Lord is coming. We're going to recognize him as the king. 
as the king, right? The king of kings, lord of lords, Jesus king is coming and he's going to inaugurate his kingdom. His kingdom is coming. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand is what he says. Matter of fact, uh, later on in verse 11 of, of Matthew chapter 3, uh, John the Baptist says this, uh, along you know, with that message of repentance. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He's speaking about Jesus, right? He's speaking about the Lord, the, the, the coming king. Uh, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, he has that position of king. The Lord is coming. He, he is taking that position of king over the kingdom that he's bringing with him. And, and there's two positions identified in that, in, in the things he's going to baptize. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I think it could be clearly identified that later on, after Jesus' death and resurrection, that day of Pentecost, where Peter was able to preach, he said, hey, listen, uh, you, you need to repent and, and be baptized, meaning taking on Jesus, and, and you'll receive the forgiveness of sins and that gift of the Holy Spirit. See, John's baptism was different. It was just of repentance. Uh, change your heart and everything. But in Jesus, it is the coming and the transformation through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' cleansing, he cleanses us all from our sinfulness and our unrighteousness. And he creates within us a place for his Holy Spirit to dwell. God's people have the indwelling of his Spirit. And Jesus makes that possible. Jesus makes that possible. The, now the fire is this part of it. He's going to baptize in, in, uh, in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And within the context of both Matthew, who has uh, that phrase that he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, Luke does the same in Luke chapter 3. And within the context, we understand that that fire represents the judgment that also comes because he is the king. Those who acknowledge and receive Jesus as Savior have the Holy Spirit. Guess what? They're the children of God, people of his kingdom. Those who reject him, though, those who will turn their backs upon Jesus as Savior, they're going to have to face him in his judgment of fire. We especially know this in, in verse 12. This verse follows that mention of his, his baptism and Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 12 then comes along and says, His winnowing fork is in his hand. The winnowing fork is, was used to separate the, the wheat from the chaff. You know, the good and, and, and the bad. It was there to separate. Uh, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, and, uh, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. See, he comes as king. He comes as, as, as you know, the very son of God. Who, who through his obedience, now he's going to have the opportunity to, to give to those who acknowledge him and who respond to his name that, that 
cleansing and that righteousness and enabling the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to indwell those who receive him. And to those who reject, they, they face that king as a judge. And, and they, they, they face their condemnation, their sinfulness without a savior. Okay, let's, let's step back a couple places we've been. First of all, it's great, and the celebration is part of this, is, is that God has made a way. He's made a way. The, the second point is it is John the Baptist. It's his voice that was there in the wilderness that's crying out and saying, hey, prepare the way of the Lord. And, and we see that in the passage, and we see that role that Jesus plays as he comes into this world. And the final lesson that, that is so important for us to embrace this morning is that we join in preparing the way. <laughs> We're part of that. I, if we weren't part of that, there's not much of a celebration. No, I won't do that. Um, with, without the fact that, that we're a part of it, there's not much for us to be celebrating. But that celebration of preparation is there. If there wasn't any kind of preparation, then what is God doing in us? It's because of that preparation, you've heard the message of Jesus. You've had the opportunity to respond to, you've been able to respond to the king over God's kingdom. How, did you respond? Did you receive him or did you reject him? Do you see him as savior or do you see him as that condemning judge? Uh, for those, I'm, I'm going to assume that a majority here has received him as savior and received his Holy Spirit. And your identity is that you are the child of God. You are a child of God. You're a, you're a members of his kingdom. That, that's, that's where you belong. That's in his coming, his preparation. Why should we celebrate that preparation? Is because we're a part of it. We've been included because of the preparation. And, and part of that message, too, is, is this. We continue to prepare. Are we, at, we have Jesus, and, and oh, man, he continues to work on us. He continues to work on you, right? Isn't that right? If you're just sitting way around waiting, it's not going to happen. But there's preparation working in you, becoming more familiar with his word, learning more about prayer, learning more about what it means to walk after Jesus. See, in that preparation, we learn to walk after Jesus and to resemble him and deliver him. And the reason is, is because guess what? He's coming again, right? He's, he is Jesus is coming again. He, he came and, and John proclaimed him, but now we have ahead of us that he's coming again. Understand, understand the reason he's coming again is to complete that work in you. To absolutely complete that work in you. See, good things are happening. Jesus has cleansed you and everything, but you're still in that weak flesh. Well, I struggle with that. Do you struggle with that? Still living in this and, and, and still dealing with those things in life. But when Jesus comes, he's going to complete that work. That day, that salvation is going to be 100% complete in you. It's 100% complete in you. So we are anticipating and, and preparing for his return. 
I think there's also an additional good news because of that. It's not just about me growing and working. It is also that I could join with John in preparing, a way, uh, preparing the way for the Lord in other people's hearts, right? We've talked a lot about going through the book of Acts. How can we not talk about this idea of sharing the gospel uh, going through the book of Acts? When we talk about Jesus, how could, we, how could we even approach Christmas and not think that the whole world needs to know about what it means to celebrate Jesus and about the freedom that is there identified because he was obedient to the cross and on the cross, he carried your sinfulness. He carried your brokenness. And, and, and we have that opportunity to say, because of that, I am that child of God. And I belong to his kingdom. Isn't that good? Pre preparation is good. And it's good to celebrate because God has, has made a way. First of all, understand that. And there's a celebration. He didn't have to. We, we could have just uh, been, been condemned, or I, I don't even think we would even exist if God dealt with sin the way that, that a lot of us think he ought to deal with sin, or the way he really has the right to deal with sin. We wouldn't even be here. But he's been patient. He's shown mercy and has absolute, absolutely provided grace through Jesus Christ. That's worth celebrating. That's worth celebrating. In that, you know, John made that great declaration, but we get to be a part of that as well. Let the world know that Jesus has come. Prepare the way for the Lord, right? Prepare the way for the Lord, and we celebrate that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you, and we thank you for Jesus. We praise you, Father, for your scripture that lays it out, knowing, Lord, from the beginning to the end, God, you've been actively working in this world. As sin has entered and it has brought us this curse of death, and, and Lord, our sinfulness has condemned us, Lord, your plan, your way is to send Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way, Lord, and we praise you that we have that message. And we also pray, Lord, as we celebrate this season, Help us, Father, to focus on who else we could speak to, who else we need to share that message with in order that they too might uh, have the perspective of joy all year long because of Jesus. We thank you again for our time together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.